From a bar mitzvah at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem to a temple procession in Taipei, the people of our world are passionate about their beliefs. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it's Hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan Explained, and In the Spotlight. But we kick off today's program with Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Thursday, June 18th. I'm John Van Trieste, and joining me here in the studio, it's Shirley Lin. Hello. Up next, we'll be telling you how the British office Taipei plans to honor Taiwan's COVID-19 heroes. Then we'll be telling you about something that you might not be able to do before too long, atop Taiwan's highest peak. And got itchy feet but can't leave Taiwan? Why not try a rail cruise? We'll be telling you what that involves in just a moment. First up today, though, uh, well, it's hard to believe, but uh, we used to have tourists here in Taiwan. They've been a rare sight these days with our mm -hmm. borders closed. Um, Shirley has a story, though, about uh, how Taiwan can give a variety of impressions to visitors, and uh, maybe it's something for us to think about if they ever do end up coming back. Let's hope uh, that we can reopen soon. Right. Okay, so there's this uh, Taiwanese netizen, and um, uh, it's, uh, he or she was posting on PTT. It's a pretty popular kind of chat platform. Is it still popular online. these days? I, I don't think know. so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. I hear I all the young so. people are moving on to D-card. I'm so behind the well, times. that's always been there, yeah. Okay. But I think, yeah, anyway. Anyway. Um, so it, it seems like um, maybe he, she or he had a Japanese friend mm -hmm. come over and visit some time ago. This yeah, it's been a while since... Been, been before the pandemic. Any and visitors so, have been allowed in. Right, so. right. And anyway, um, basically, um, she was saying how her Japanese friend um, had a poor impression of Taiwan well, at the time when she was here. And uh, what happened was that well, one time they uh, took her to the south, I mm -hmm. guess. Um, yeah, and then to have like this popular uh, braised pork or uh, using soy sauce over you know, hot rice. Okay. And um, and then... That's the, what we call fan, right? Right, fan, right. And the place was like, you know, on the floor, there were these cockroaches, you know, sc like scrambling around. It's impossible to get rid of them <laughs> here, though. They're very, like, mutant. Yeah. I mean, I, our, our uh, neighborhood, I actually think most urban neighborhoods regularly spray the gutters. Mm -hmm. But especially during the summer months, especially, like, I mean... They're just impossible to get rid of. I know, yeah, especially during the summer months. Mm. It's true. And then how she found a Japanese friend found that the uh, the night market is can be pretty dirty. Yeah. And um, how the 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 guy uh, the 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 cook of this place that they went to eat, he kind of used the same hand to you know serve food and the same hand to give her change for the money. So afterwards. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know, have complained about that to a restaurant actually, and left them yeah. a very uh, uh, yeah. I, that that part, last one bothers me. I know. We would have to let our other friends know that you know Japanese people tend to be very 
they're into sanitation oh, yeah. and everything, hygiene. Even when I was living in Japan for seven years, that's the biggest impression I have of Japan. I studied there as it's well. It's clean and yeah, and people are very orderly and yeah. So, but I'm not. I don't think that means that we aren't though. I think right. that uh, a lot exactly. of there's a lot of uh, rules, especially with with uh, mask wearing. We've been extremely good about that. I right. Found. So. Exactly. So now there's this, um, you know, a, a tour guide, mm-hmm. a Taiwanese tour guide who saw this report or saw this conversation going. And um, he gave, you know, gave in a, a word or two of his uh, thought about this. Okay. And it was like what you were saying. Um, you you don't expect, you know, like a tour package to only bring you to nice places. I think normally, generally you do. Beautiful places. Okay. <laughs> I think well, generally you do. Well, I think this tour guide is a veteran tour guide okay he's saying that now first of all um um yes you you know i mean some tour guides you have to take tests i mean there are these exams right. to, to get a certificate okay obviously you should but the thing is that some end up you know just not knowing their customers and doing the right thing and bringing yeah. them to the places that you know they should have brought them instead of just only bringing them to the usual touristy spots or things like that. Okay. So he was saying that. Um, so we just show people the Taiwan's gritty yeah, side. Exactly. He was saying <laughs> it is the real that, Taiwan, though. You know, yeah, that's it. You know, he was saying that um, there were there was a time when he knew that these Japanese tourists they came and they heard about the fact that there was a certain place. It's pretty, you know, like unclean and everything. Mm. But he purposely took them there to try the beef noodle soup over there and let them know that, hey, the beef noodle soup is just as good as anything, even though the place is might not be to your standard, you mm. know. So that's, you know, he's just saying that you, you don't, he, he says that it's important, yes, to know you know, what kind of people you hang out with and what kind of right. people you're leading to, to know their habits and what they expect. But don't let them think that, you know, they'll only be brought to the most posh places or the oh. cleanest and the, the most beautiful. When you but visit somewhere, you want to see, get a very full-rounded yeah. picture of it. doesn't mean we're taking people to industrial parks or things like that, but, you know, maybe right. see how local people eat and, well, yeah. Uh, well, I have to say that uh, a, a lot of, I think, what probably would offend some of these visitors has a lot to do with, like I said, the cockroaches. Like, I mean, I've I've was in Japan for a while myself. Uh, mm. They the size wise, they don't and frequency of. I mean, they're just they're just they're native. They're part of. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's one thing to have like a infestation but mm-hmm. i mean they they were around and then there's other things that uh i think i noticed when i first came here like i mean that has a lot to do with how just damp the climate is there's oh, a lot yeah, of that buildings that tend to get a sort of bit of a grimy look to them yeah like but you'd have to power wash like every week to keep them pristine right. just after a certain point i i can understand why you know, yeah. people would stop trying. Well, this netizen was also saying how her Japanese friend also complained about too many motorcycles around on the streets. Well, and the the guy, the tour guide, the veteran tour guide, he was saying that, you know, you just need to kind of educate them ahead of time and let them know that, yep, there are motorcycles around. You know, don't be scared and don't be shocked. But um, just let them know that, you know, they're going to have to watch out for them. And well, walk, you know, on the right side. I hope or whatever. this friend has never gone to reasons. Southeast Asia because I think that we're mild. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, <laughs> in terms yeah, really? of our yeah. scooters and everything. I know, I know. So anyway, so as long as you educate them ahead of time, warn them ahead of time, then they'll enjoy the rest of the trip okay. just as anybody else would, you know. 
And, and, you know, the tour guide also was saying that, yeah, there are certain places that Taiwan should improve, you know, there are certain areas, but being in, uh, you know, in this tourism business for so long, he says he notices these things more so than anybody else, like right. the, yeah, the local, you know, Taiwanese people. So he knows, you know, you, you just have to know your thing, your, your, your thing and, Take them around and give them a head, you know, t- warn them ahead of time. Right. Give them a heads up. People and things like can that. Can adjust their expectations fine. accordingly. Right. Okay. Exactly. So I learned something new today, and that is that Queen Elizabeth II was born on April 21st, but in accordance with royal tradition, the official celebration of her birthday is usually held on the second Saturday of June. Oh, that's I'm going to have to Google why that is. Why that is it? Anyway, in honor of this uh, occasion, uh, her official 94th birthday, I think she's already 94, Mm -hmm. um, legally speaking, but anyway, uh, and to honor our COVID-19 heroes, the British office in Taipei is giving out chocolate cupcakes to 94 Taiwanese people. (laughs) We don't know who they are yet. They are to be randomly selected, but what they're doing is um, they're, they're... has kind of put out a call for nominations, so anyone can nominate someone in Taiwan who has uh, made some, some big contribution. Yeah. I imagine essential workers, of course. Yes, definitely a lot of people in the medical field. Yes, um, I would imagine our health minister will be a, a popular nominee. Oh, anyway, definitely. they're they're encouraging people by June 30th to leave these nominations on their Facebook page. And because oh, I understand now because it's officially her 94th birthday, the Queen's 94th birthday. They're going to select 94 nominees to get these cupcakes, and they're not just any cupcakes. They are um, based on a royal recipe for chocolate birthday cake. Oh, a royal wow. chef's recipe. So it's a taste of a. Uh, of a uh, you know royalty, royalty. <laughs> yes you can you too can feel like you're at an official uh, royal birthday party so actually our foreign minister has already gotten a taste of this himself because britain's representative to taiwan catherine nettleton gave birthday cupcakes to him and other foreign ministry officials on tuesday and they're going to give well i guess uh the health ministers will probably get one too because they're going to the health ministry on uh it looks like yesterday they went uh-huh. to express appreciation for taiwan's assistance in the uk's fight against coronavirus mm. i think we sent some masks and other supplies so yeah to the uk right so uh i wonder i wonder what it, i would like a t- taste of royal cupcake I that sounds exciting because i love chocolate but i don't think we've made any contributions so <laughs> <laughs> oh well Except reporting on it. <laughs> well, there's been a number of rules about what you can't do at the top of Jade Mountain, Taiwan's highest peak over the years. Uh, among the recent, more recent ones adopted is a ban on sort of political symbols and that sort of thing. That was after some people who have a certain pro-unification with China views um, mm. on frilled a Chinese flag. I think that might have happened more than once, actually. I seem yeah, to I would think so. Um, and so that's just the most recent of a, a, a list of rules about what you can't do up there. Um, the new one that they're considering, they haven't gone through with this yet, uh, is probably the most surprising thing you could think of. <laughs> yeah. uh, you wonder what people would be doing this for in the first place on a peak that is known for being covered with snow oftentimes and it's more than i mean it's close to four thousand meters yeah that is nudity (laughs) (laughs) believe it or not people this is a problem okay it's the strangest thing um people over the past few months have been posting online i guess they're nudist enthusiasts photographs of themselves on the summit 
apparently, this article says, uh, and they're quoting an official here, uh, to express the joy of having made it to the top. Okay. They could have used other ways to express joy. I feel like that's joy, right? an interesting way of expressing <laughs> joy, but, you know, to each their own. Um, I guess it's freezing up there. I, I get, like, why would you want to bundle up? Yeah, well, even in the summertime. Well, brave <laughs> um, in the cold w- wind or something. Yeah, <laughs> apparently, uh, I mean, they get a, I'm not sure how big of a problem this is. I mean, what the percentage of people are doing this, because they get around 500,000 just applications to climb it every, the mountain every year. Wow. I mean, it's, it's that, heavily trafficked, wow. so it has to be sort of restricted to keep it nice and it's yeah, in a national a park number. Wow. and also they want to make sure that they're like experienced climbers who know what they're doing they don't want to have mm-hmm. to rescue anyone so there's an application system i don't know what percentage of that is doing this but uh yeah um even uh, climbers from abroad right just like I applications say, all together period they don't, oh you mean applications yeah, yeah i thought you meant applicants. talking about the no. pictures <laughs> like, i don't it doesn't say here i i did not do any research into this beforehand um and are we talking about like more of one particular gender over the other i I do not know i do not care to find out but it is interesting that uh among the 16 rules that are in place now we may get a 17th one soon um it's sometimes uh well anyway Mm. you know if you want to be nudist that's fine but that just doesn't seem like a very practical place to do that yeah Mm, a rail cruise. This sounds like fun. Have you heard of a rail cruise before? No. It's the first time I've heard of them too. But basically, um, the Taiwan Railways Administration is rolling out uh, a rail cruise tour schedule for the summer. And the idea is the, the rail company operates these uh, that you, it's like a leisure train ride. You're not riding to get somewhere. Well, there are destinations, but the, the journey is part of the fun. And it doesn't seem like, well, Taiwan's not that big to begin with that. We, we don't really have like sleeper cars or anything like that. No. There aren't too many train journeys that would that require would that, yeah. more than a day. But there are some multi-day ones and there are, you know, accommodation offered. Uh, not on the train, though. Right. And uh, it's, uh, I guess, a sort of organized thing. Uh, and they're going to have some really uh, interesting destinations, including some I would like to see. I have actually uh-huh. gotten a chance to go to some of these places. So I... Uh, can can see myself going on one of these. We want to boost the economy. Mm. Tourism's taken a real hit. Um, one of the most interesting ones, and I've understand that I understand you can sleep here as well. I'm not sure if that's offered under the package, but it's the National Museum of Marine Biology and Aquarium. Now, oh. I know someone who has spent the night there, and yeah. they said do like sleeping there's a... like there's a glass sort of right. tunnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah. As I understand it, um, you sleep like beneath the fish. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. I know. Yeah, I wanted to There's try that. Try also that. Uh, the Taiwan International Balloon Festival, which oh. is uh, in Taidong, Taidong every year. That's very popular. Yes. Um, I'm not sure when that's going to be this year but there's also mm-hmm. uh, a forest station in Nanto County that sounds nice and cool up in the wow. mountains and uh seeing although not going to Turtle Island which we've talked about frequently in this show because of their gimmick to let people with the na- the character for turtle in their name visit yeah. for free you can see it <laughs> as you pass by in a train 
Um, another one that I have done before, but that I would like to do again, is checking out the Daylily Plantations. Okay. And the East Rift Valley, which is a very beautiful area of Taiwan that's covered in these, if you haven't seen Daylilies before, they're yeah. these very fiery orange flowers that yes. cover the hillsides of eastern Taiwan during the summer months. Yep. Um, definitely something that would be cool to watch go past in a train. Mm. Um, and it says that there's also a Round the Island tour. Um, and there's still tickets available for most of the July and August tours, including the balloon festival and the daily one. So oh, uh, definitely wow. something cool to check out, especially definitely. the, the great thing about these is that they're packages. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to arrange anything. I guess yeah. that's where it gets the idea of cruise from. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. all inclusive where to you don't have to figure out where to stay, where to eat. Like it's all arranged for you. Oh, so I really hope that I, I know that a lot of hotels and, uh, these sorts of, especially bed and breakfast and smaller accommodations that don't really have a big corporate, you know, financial base have really been struggling. So it'll yeah. be good for us to get out and check all of that out. All right, Shirley, uh, you have a story about a, uh, a son-in-law or a daughter-in-law who just can't seem to catch a break. Yeah. This is uh this would be daughter-in-law. Okay. And um, having a, a bit of a, a rough time with uh, her mother-in-law. Well, it turned out that uh, she knew that her mother-in-law's birthday was coming up, and so uh, like ahead, uh, like a month ahead of time, she bought these um you know all-you-can-eat buffet um tickets. Okay. To uh, I guess eating at a at a hotel, I would say that's usually where they have these buffet dinners. But uh, on the day. Um, you know, the mother-in-law was complaining, even from the point when they were like, you know, from the, from the, from the house, getting in the car and saying things like, oh, you know, um, it's going to be so expensive. You know, we're going to be like driving so far just to eat such an expensive dinner and things like that. And, and yet, um, even while they got there and, um, she realized that her mother-in-law was like. Um, complaining about everything, and the only thing that she actually ate, her mother-in-law ate, was just the fried rice out of the whole what? buffet dinner. A whole array of choices of awesome food, you know, that you can eat. Um, and and the thing was that uh, the daughter-in-law decided to just keep quiet the whole time. She just, she was smart enough. Her EQ was high enough to not, you know, like started. Fuming yeah. and you know complaining and everything, mm. but the son, of course, eventually he just had enough of this. Well, it was not until they left the restaurant and then they were on their way home, and the mother-in-law said that she she she's still hungry <laughs> because she only had fried rice, what? and so then she said she wants mantou, like these you know steamed buns. Steamed, steamed buns, and so the son, her son, really fumed at this time. He was going like. I can't believe it. I got you fish and you said that the fish doesn't seem to be cooked well enough. I got you lobster and you said that it doesn't look fresh. I got you um, crab and you said that uh, it doesn't look fresh either. And I got you pork and you said that it's too tough. I got you beef and you said that you don't eat beef. And I got you juice and said it's too sweet. And I got you tea and you said that, no, it's going to make me have, you know, suffer insomnia tonight. And so he just fumed. <laughs> and uh, wow. But the thing is that... The daughter-in-law still didn't say anything. She got off the car and got her the bun. But by the time she got her the bun, the mother-in-law said that she's not hungry anymore. I'm assuming that she got upset from the son's, you know, that long line of complaints and everything. And Wow. <laughs> so, what a difficult person. I know. Well, so then they got home. But the thing was that 
the son uh, decided to go to the gym and work out, work out her fumes, you <laughs> know, her anger, his, his anger mm-hmm. and everything, and left her, the daughter-in-law, just with the mother-in-law. Um, but she was thinking, the daughter was thinking, wow, you, you're doing this to give your son a hard time? Okay, so then people were responding to her post on, you know, on, on, on online and saying that, oh, you know, the mother-in-law, I bet your mother-in-law just want to have like, you know, cash money, like a red envelope for her birthday instead of anything else. But she didn't have the guts to say it. <laughs> That's what somebody said. Huh. Because, I don't know, just money. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, um, but then somebody was saying that good thing you're, that, you know, your husband got mad because if he had been complacent about it, I think if I were the daughter-in-law, I would have been furious that mm. my, my husband is not Didn't sending on my sign. Yeah, you know. And then, um, and then basically somebody else, I think, which got, you know, had more sense about this. Basically, he's saying that, well, your mother-in-law just didn't want her children to spend so much money on something so expensive. That's how it is with traditional Taiwanese parents. They don't like their children to spend so much money on, on them. But you know what? It's funny because this reminds me of not my mother-in-law, but my dad. Because my dad's like that. He's got... Oh, don't take me there. It's too, it's, it's, you're just going to be wasting so much money. You're going to be spending so much money. I don't want you to spend so much money. That place is ex- expensive. And so far, I don't want you to go. Because basically, I think my dad actually loves me. He right. doesn't want me to go through that trouble, spending all that money on him. But then you wouldn't go and ruin the whole thing for everyone, would he? I know, but my dad would. <laughs> he he would? would? Yeah, he would really put would on a face. He would complain the whole time? Yeah, he would. So That doesn't seem to show much love. <laughs> But that's his way of showing love. That's a which strange came, way of showing love. Which I came to understand only, you know, when I got to the 50s myself. So, yeah, I mean, that's he just didn't know how to better to express himself. But that's his way of like, you know, he doesn't want you to go broke, you know, spending all that money on him and things like that. It's just once a year. Ah, uh, well, I don't know. But yeah, that's my dad. It's funny because this is all talking about, and it's typical of, you know, mother-in-law and daughter-in-law kind of relationship. But actually, I think of my dad when I thought about this. Well, you're a mother-in-law yourself now. How, does, how, how are you as a mother-in-law? Would you rate yourself? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I think we're fine because after all, you know, I've been, we've been really, really close friends for many years mm-hmm. with my in-laws. So that's a very special kind of situation there okay so, so that, maybe not typical no no i don't think there would be any typical kind of thing like things like that and they they do they, they love my daughter very mm-hmm. much and uh yeah so take good care of her and everything so they wouldn't so be like they in turn all. wouldn't be like that to your daughter either would they no no but of course they really want yeah do you want do i think what they really want is they really want her to be happy mm-hmm. and you know being married into their family that kind of thing because you know they yeah like the father-in-law is like, you know, very careful, making sure my daughter's happy and everything. But I mean, right now, I think my children, my, my daughter and her husband, they're still like in a honeymoon stage. Oh, uh, yeah, it has only been a few months. So <laughs> yeah, well, I'd give um, it time. Yeah, it's, it's already more than six months now. Yeah, half a year. But uh, yeah, so. Well, that's unfortunate. I hope that they uh, were able to. I hope this isn't a long term thing. Oh, you mean her mother? That could really ruin the marriage. I don't know. I mean, you know, I've come to understand that's their way of showing love. Really is. You know, it's kind of strange, but that really is traditional. It can take some strange forms, I guess. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, that just about does it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. I'm John Van Trieste. And I'm Shirley Lin. Don't go anywhere just yet, because coming up, it's Hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan Explained, and In the Spotlight.
Hello and welcome to Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. Every week on Hashtag Taiwan, we like to talk about what's trending on social media in Taiwan. This week, I want to talk to you about Yangningshan National Park in northern Taiwan. Now, for those of you that don't know or haven't watched the latest episode of Taiwan Insider, Yangmingshan National Park has actually been named the very first urban quiet park in the world. Urban meaning that it's located in a city area and quiet meaning that you can still get away from the hustle and bustle and the noise. You can go up there and you can listen to the sounds of insects. You can listen to the sounds of frogs, birds, what have you. It's just a nice space for people to keep calm. Now, despite its name, Yangmingshan or Yangming Mountain, it's not one mountain. It's actually at least five or six different peaks put together. It spans a huge area, smack in the middle of the Taipei area, and there are a lot of active volcanoes and old buildings up there. But like we said before, there's huge amounts of biodiversity. There's a couple of endemic plants and there's lakes up there. But this week, I want to talk to you about birds. Now, how do birds relate to social media? Well, there's a very, very cool and interesting Twitter account that's dedicated to documenting birds in Taiwan. But it only it doesn't just talk about birds in Taiwan. It actually also talks about political topics and it likes to inspire people. How does it do so? Well, all you have to do is stick around and listen. Coming up next on Hashtag Taiwan. This week on Hashtag Taiwan, in honor of Yangmingshan National Park in Taipei being designated as the world's first urban quiet park, I want to talk to you about ornithology. Now, for those of you who don't speak science, I of course mean burbs. According to national park authorities, Yangmingshan is home to about 138 species of birds. So if you ever find yourself up there, make sure to keep your eyes open to see how many of our feathered friends you can find. Now, people can make social media accounts for any number of reasons. It's particularly useful for people who want to share collections of very specific things that interest them. Former consulting producer of Taiwan Insider Emily Wu actually has an entire Instagram account dedicated to sharing manhole cover designs. Now, that's not my thing, but if you think you'd like that, you can have that one for free. Back to the topic of birds. This Twitter account is called Taiwan Birds, and at first glance you might think it's a Twitter account dedicated to bird watching in Taiwan, and if that's what you thought, well, you're not wrong at all. But while Richard, the person who runs the account, does focus on birds, he doesn't just show you the birds, he actually makes them relatable. As Andrew Ryan once told me, you wouldn't think much more of birds beyond, they're up in the sky. But I dare you to take a look at this picture and tell me you haven't felt the exact same thing this bird is feeling on any given Monday where you had to wake up at 6.30 in the morning when you full well know you went to sleep after 2 a.m. This is memeing on an entirely different level. Richard uses pictures of his birds to motivate, commentate, and educate. How does he motivate? He shares a picture of a bird fighting off a snake, of course. How does he commentate? He shares his opinion on current events and slaps on a related picture of a bird at the end. How does he educate? He tells people to wear masks and shows you a picture of a blackface spoonbill which looks like it's already wearing a mask. But every picture that Richard shares is absolutely stunning. It really makes you appreciate Taiwan's biodiversity. Taiwan is home to over 600 species of birds, 29 of which can only be found in the country. It's nice to know that someone out there is not only appreciating them, but also sharing them in a way that resonates with everybody else. I think Richard describes his own account the best with this tweet. The country for good news, Taiwan, and a couple of birds. 
Do check out Taiwan Birds on Twitter. It's a great way to appreciate Taiwan and brush up on your ornithology with the featherless ape, Richard F. Now remember, if there is any topic you think that you'd like me to cover for hashtag Taiwan, I'm always open to taking suggestions. So be sure to send us an email at english at rti.org.tw or you can go ahead and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Taiwan Insider or facebook.com slash Radio Taiwan International. Send us a message and do say hi because I am the one who receives all of them. I do love to hear your feedback and I would love to know who's listening. Until next week, you guys. Stay safe, stay healthy, and see you around. While most of the people of Taiwan were focused on a noisy recall in Kaohsiung last weekend, there was another group of people on a mountain in Taipei celebrating the silence. Last Friday on World Environment Day, Quiet Parks International designated Yamishan National Park, which is right here in Taipei's backyard, as the world's first urban quiet park. So what's so great about silence and quiet? I'm going to let my friend Matt Mickelson from Quiet Parks International explain it to you himself. Natural quiet, or the ability to listen to nature without noise pollution, is becoming harder and harder. The vast majority of people living in the world today are exposed to unhealthy quantities of noise pollution. There are very, very few places left on planet Earth where you can listen to just the sounds of nature for more than 15 minutes at a time. And those places are vanishing very quickly. Quiet Parks International is the first and only organization committed to the preservation of quiet for the benefit of all living beings. Being able to listen to nature without the impacts of noise pollution connects us to the world as it was. Natural quiet is a resource that's really important for all humans, but also for wildlife. It's really important that wildlife have acoustically pristine environments that they can communicate in. Our hope is that we can create a few places in every country that people can go to experience natural quiet. We hope to not only help the local communities preserve these places and to help mitigate sources of noise pollution, but also to draw tourism to these areas to experience the quiet. Quiet is a resource, and if we don't do something to protect it now, it'll be much harder in the future to regain what we've lost. Radio Taiwan International. Any day, any time at english.rti.org.tw.
Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. David Ting is the founder of an English cram school in Taipei called SK2 TOEFL. He studied foreign languages and literature at Taiwan's top university, the National Taiwan University. Last week, he gave some really good advice about how to speak better English, but more so how to have more confidence in speaking English. Today, he begins by talking about how he was a youth ambassador when he was young. Let's talk about how you have been youth ambassadors when you were younger. How did that come about? I mean, what happened? You had good grades, so you got picked. <laughs> uh, that wasn't the case. When I was in university, I pretty much failed a lot of courses. So, um, you know, that, that wasn't That's one surprising. of the reasons. Well, I, I guess I didn't really like the way a lot of professors teach. Okay. Well, I guess what I wanted to do was to meet similar-minded people, people who were also interested in, back at the time, international relationships, uh, cultural exchanges. I think it was sponsored by the Taiwanese government. And also by a organization in the U.S. that focuses on leadership. I guess I just wanted to meet cool people. So mm. I applied for that program. And that's how I met a lot of cool people yeah. in the end as well. And uh, I think we went on a trip for 14 days in the U.S., like across the U.S. And we visited a lot of private com- corporate uh-huh. government agencies and met some really important people. Oh. So, yeah, I would say it was in general a good experience. For me yeah. to really look at the world and meet more people. You said you spent a year in the States and then in, and then another half year in, where was it again? In Sweden. In Sweden, right, yeah. right. I've never been to Sweden. I'd love to one day. So you actually knew about the program and you got interested, so you, got, you applied. And you got qualified because of what strengths do you have? Do you know what they look for? Um, I guess back at the time, international experiences. So I had these experiences, did a lot of cultural exchange programs when I was in university, mainly okay. with other Asian countries. Uh-huh. I guess that's what they look for as well. Mm. And uh, the ability to communicate your thoughts and ideas. Mm. Yeah, because oh. I would say, to be honest, a lot of Chinese people still cannot really communicate their deepest thoughts and ideas in English or in any other languages. So I guess oh, not that's even one Chinese, of the reasons. you're saying? I would say so, yes. Because oh, maybe a lot I of people are not mean. used to you know, expressing, expressing themselves. themselves. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's... That's what I would say was my strength, to be honest with myself. Well, it seems like you're a person who grew up knowing what you like and what you don't like and what makes you click and what doesn't. Okay. And like, you know, you wouldn't be afraid to, you know, you come across a professor, you don't think that you approve of the way he teaches, right? Whereas some students, they wouldn't dare go up, I mean, I don't know, not go up to the professor, but even reporting on the fact that here's a professor who I'm having problems with. I can't see Taiwanese people doing that. Usually they just go through the class. They only care about passing the grade and then move on. But you're very clear about what you like and what you don't like. And, and then heading towards what you like and then doing better at it. That's how I see you as a person. I'm assuming that your parents support you in your interests. I wouldn't say arguments, but like small disputes back when I was in high school. Okay. Because my dad is actually a doctor and my mom a teacher. Okay. So before I entered high school, I also assumed that I was naturally going to be a doctor as well. Oh, my dad. After entering my second year in high school, I decided that I want to study the humanities, you mm-hmm. know, instead of becoming a doctor in the future. So I had to discuss with my dad and my mom. 
And what they told me basically was, if you can be responsible for your actions, you can do it. Yeah. So that's what I went on to do what I want to do. So at least I would say they wouldn't. They, they're not not supportive. I guess it can be a little scary for the children sometimes to hear that, especially when you're only in high school or in junior high school. Because I think what kids would be imagining was, uh, do I have to move out? Do I have to <laughs> live by myself from now on? Are you okay. going to support me financially? Things like that. So I would say. Most people started to gather confidence only after they enter university. Only after they don't have to really worry about tests anymore. When they can, you know, find a part-time job, become a tutor, feed themselves, then they can really think about: Is this something that I want to do? Do、right. I want to take full responsibility for my actions? You know, I think that for you to have your own thinking when you're in high school, that's kind of early on for most Taiwanese kids. I have to say, a lot of kids, Taiwanese kids at high school, they don't even know what they want to do with their future yet. But I think you had you already was pretty clear in your mind what you wanted, even in high school. Right, I think because、um, I went on a student exchange to the U.S. for one year when I was fifteen, at、uh, during my second year in high school. The、oh. reason why I went on this exchange was because I realized I didn't really like my high school. I didn't like how people were living and studying, like、mm-hmm. the people around me. Like it was supposed to be the best high school in Taipei,、mm. but I just feel like I don't like this group of people. They just、mm-hmm. focus on they focus on studying too much. During that year when I was in the U.S., I realized that people could have many, many different kinds of ways of living. For example, there, there were a group of Brazilians back at the time in the U.S. exchange students as well, and、uh, there was this rule that we as exchange students had to learn English, so we had to speak English at all times. Whenever you speak a language that is different from lang- English, you have to give one U.S. dollar <laughs> to a, to a grown up who's watching. And this group of Brazilians, they always pay fines because they speak Portuguese too much.、Uh-huh. So I remember one day I went up to them and asked them, "Hey, look, you guys are broke. You don't have any money, and you don't learn English. How come you're still so happy?" <laughs> That was my honest reaction because、yeah. you know, from Taiwan, like we always say, you have to study well and. That makes you happy, and the Brazilians is we we don't we don't see that there's anything to worry about, and that way of living and the confidence that they have、mm-hmm. sort of changed me. To after I came back, I decided that I could pursue what I want to pursue because when I was abroad, I see I saw that there were diff- many different ways of living,、mm-hmm. and you could be happy with what you do in your、mm-hmm. own life. You don't have to actually follow standards and you know do things people tell you to do just because you can do them. What's your focus in life nowadays? I mean, I know that you run this cram school, but actually, you also have your own. You're pursuing your own interests. You want to talk about those? What I've been trying to do this year and the past few years is to sort of pass responsibilities down to other people, because I realized that I've been teaching for eight years already, and there are new teachers on the rise, and I want to give this opportunity to them, so that they can enjoy teaching. They can. Learn how to do their own research, and to spend more time with the students. And as for me, I want to. After I have passed this responsibility down to other teachers, I can start focusing on other things. For example, like writing or dealing with this new podcast that I've been trying to spend time on.、Mm, that's great of you. You know,、um, giving opportunities to other teachers and actually helping them to grow and do better, so that you have more time to pursue, you know, your own interests and things like that. So I guess this would be a lifestyle. That you would recommend for most young people? I would say so. Yes,、um, I think in the beginning of the few years that I started my thing, it was sort of a period your, for me you mean to your thing. What thing? The cram school. Okay. <laughs> it was a period for me to sort of prove myself that I can do this.、Uh-huh. And after a few years, I feel like it's proven. 
so I can you know start look for start looking for other things. Mm-hmm. And uh, since I was given this opportunity by my other friends as well, I want to pass this opportunity to other people who want to prove themselves or who want to enjoy researching and dealing, uh, spending time with students, communicating with them. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Do you run the cram school with somebody else? Uh, I have a lot of partners. That's sort of our business model. Yeah. Like each teacher at our school is a partner. Okay. We take responsibility for how many students we have. So we not only teach, we also market ourselves. We also, in the beginning, we answer calls ourselves. That's a very different business model. Right, because we figured if it's the teachers answering students' questions, then you know we naturally know more than the staffs. And mm. students will feel more confident. They will trust us more because it's the teachers answering their questions. And also because we're responsible for how many students we have, we actually have to know not only how to make good handouts, how to teach better, but also how to sort of promote ourselves, how to communicate with the market so that people see that we're doing a good job. So you actually took some business courses to run your business here? It's a, it's a bit complicated. We have a few brands under the same company. So this business model was already designed. Oh, I when get it. I partnered up with this other brand. I guess the reason why me and this, as well as other teachers joined was also because of this this business model, because we can take responsibility, we can take credits for what we do. SK2. SK2. I mean, Tom. does it stand for anything or is it really that beauty uh, product brand name? We, we don't want to get involved in lawsuits. So. <laughs> I just, uh, the, the first few teachers who taught here, yeah. they were, the, the name initials were SK. Oh, so. I get it. No, we okay. inherited because... We didn't feel like there was a need to change it anymore. Sure, sure. It's easy to remember. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's just a coincidence, right? Right. Well, where do you want to uh, go from here with your life? Uh, You are still young. And I'm sure it seems like you've already got a lot of ideas in your mind. And you're waiting for each of them to sprout out and everything. And it seems like you're very confident about your life. And you're already very clear about what you're going to pursue maybe five years down the road or even like 10 years down the road. Am I right? Hopefully, yes. Yeah? Are you not going to tell me? <laughs> right. So uh, what I want to do in the beginning is to pass down this responsibility so I can start focusing on something else. Because at the moment, I realize I still put my heart on this business way too much. Yeah, it's your baby, kind of. True. Yeah. I, I think it's grown, so I have to let it go. <laughs> okay. already. And then I might start focusing on writing a bit more. I guess mm. it's something that I've always wanted to do and always feel like that I should do. But I haven't been able to really put my heart into it. Have you published any books? No, not really. So you're planning to? Is I that your next plan step? To, or at least okay. to write regularly. Uh-huh. Because I think writing helps me organize my thoughts and to communicate my thoughts with other people. And spending time on this podcast as well. Mm-hmm. So I can do the same thing to communicate thoughts. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll try to figure the rest from then. Oh. Yeah, I think I have cool. to do what I want to do first before yes. I can... Uh, know what's the next step know what the next step is or know how to really deal with other people well you're another person that I know who says um, he doesn't really have any plans for the future because he'll just take life as it comes you know why make plans because anything can happen these weren't his exact words but if the road turns and you turn you know that kind of thing right I guess it's more like a direction rather than a direction certain plans. somebody shared with me about something you wrote and I actually only got to the very little beginning part of it you were saying that when you were correct me if i'm wrong when you were younger you always thought about you can write anything but now that you kind of you know that you want to write but you are lost 
as to what you're gonna write about because you feel like, you know, for one, you can write about, oh, you were talking about time. You were thinking that, you know, like your youth, maybe you thought of it as just 10 years and that was only just a 10th of your 10 years of your life. But then now you think that life is, has moved slower or something, has slowed down, and it seems like that your life still has a long way to go. Gosh, I'm getting all confused. But if you know what I'm talking about. Right, right I know. <laughs> so. Yeah, I guess it's uh, that I've lived longer. I realize one year is just a small part of my life. So I don't focus on that too much. Or I don't think there is something that needed to be done right away because there are still years to come. I wouldn't say I, I'm not in that much of a hurry anymore. And going back to why I don't think I can write like I used to, I think one of the reasons is because when I when I was a little younger than I'm right now, I tried to convince other people that my some of my beliefs and I, my ideas were right. Mm -hmm. But now I don't try to do that as okay. often. I'm just trying to express myself. So there's not this urge to write and communicate my ideas to other people. It's ah. just to write about myself and to write down what I'm thinking. This is really interesting. Really interesting. That was very well put. That was very well said. I think the other thing, okay, I just remembered it was about time. Um, I feel like a year goes by really fast, but I feel my lifetime is like going very slow. I've, I've been back almost 30 years, but I feel like these 30 years has gone, I wouldn't say fast, but a lot has happened within these last 30 years to the point where some of the things I don't quite remember, but a year goes really fast for me. If you know what I'm trying to say, you know, it's funny because time is time. But then if you think of it as a year or 10 years or I don't know, two months or two minutes, it, it, it feels differently. Yeah, I think it's fun. Like um, I, I used to feel really strongly about how time goes faster and how time goes slower when you're with different people. For oh. example, I remember once I was in a coffee shop I was trying to study and there was this group of moms that came to the coffee shop just to chat and they were mainly gossiping about their own neighbors. <laughs> and I really couldn't really focus. So I feel like, why is time going so slowly? And I want to finish studying here as, as soon as possible. But if I were talking to a good friend of mine, like when, when I'm talking with you, Shirley, yeah. like I feel like this interview is already nearing the end, right? So uh -huh. time goes fast. Yeah. So I think it's pretty subjective, like how you focus. I think the more you focus on the present, uh -huh. the faster time goes. Wow, I wish I could talk on with you. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so very much, David, for sharing your life. Thank you, yeah. Shirley. Good luck with everything you do. Thank you. You know, and I'm sure that you're very open to whatever comes your way. So keep it that way. I Thank think you. that's a great attitude to have. Thank you. It's Thank you, fun. David. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. 
and in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thank you.